start your engines! Bring them up, gang. Bring them up. Here we go. History in the making. Green, green, green. It's two weeks to the second clash at the Coliseum. A year ago, this was the number one anticipated race. So where does this stack up this year? Hi, I'm Brett McMillan. Welcome to the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters. With me this week, Adam Alexander from Fox Sports and Jeff Buck from The Athletic. It's the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters on the Performance Racing Network. Presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts, your professional parts people. Now, here's your host, Brett McMillan. Hey, welcome to the show. Glad to have Adam and Jeff here. And yeah, two weeks away. You guys getting excited for the race at the Coliseum, Adam? I, I can't believe it's already here. And, and I've always subscribed to this theory that NASCAR, to me, as I've grown throughout my career, is like a cell phone battery, okay? You know, you get a new cell phone. Oh, this will be interesting. Yeah, you get a new <laughs> cell phone. And, you know, the first week or two, you charge that thing, it lasts a couple of days. And, and then the battery life shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until you're charging it like three times a day. Well, that's what the NASCAR season does to recharge me it used to recharge me till we got through the next year now i make it through like the west coast swing and i'm like wait when do we get a break again you know what i mean so i can't believe the off season is already gone but but for now i'm recharged and ready to go well you know that's jeff's cell phone battery i mean <laughs> <laughs> does yours ever go down or do you just keep it on charge all the time i tell you what um <laughs> there's another problem with cell phone batteries is that they they don't, uh, they don't hold as much charge. Right. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that I can, I, I think another problem, Adam is there's not as many off weeks anymore. So all of a sudden you, you, you look up and you're like, um, we, we really need like to plug in here and it's not going to last me as long. Uh, I just turned 42 last year. So, uh, I, I can feel it, you know, compared to my twenties when I was working for NASCAR scene or something. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a long, it's a marathon grind for sure. Child. Just a child. That's right. Turn yeah. 42. I got a big one coming this year. <laughs> uh oh. It, it ain't 60, okay? I'll okay. just tell you that. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to where I am anyway. I'm <laughs> way mean, isn't it, beyond that. Way beyond that. All right, let's talk about the Coliseum. I mean, last year, a lot of anticipation. And Jeff, we're going to talk about Jeff's article. He wrote an article this week. He, his, he ranked the races in order of how much he's anticipating looking forward, forward to him this year. And the, the race at the Coliseum, number one last year, there was a lot of anticipation for this race last year. And a lot of it, I think, last year was the unknown, not only of what what's going to happen with a quarter-mile track at the L.A. Coliseum, but number two, we had the next-gen car. We had no clue that, what was going to happen there. So where do you kind of come in on that this year, Adam, looking forward now two weeks away? Now, are you talking about my anticipation of for, for the, the race LA at the Coliseum? Coliseum okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know if you wanted that or just the race that I'm anticipating the most. When it we'll comes to the Coliseum, yeah, we have an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess my my batteries have recharged. Maybe my brain has not. I, I'm it's I'm like a your big birthday. fan. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a big fan of what we did out there and what we will see in a couple of weeks' time. To to me, this is a tremendous in, invention, if you want to call it that stadium racing at a place like the Coliseum because it introduces you to new markets. And I think now you have a baseline. In theory, year two should be better. You learn from, you know, some of the, the hiccups of year one. And there really weren't many. I, I didn't feel like. I, I felt like all things considered last year was an enormous success. 
hopefully there's an even bigger buzz in year two when it comes to fans coming out and, and supporting. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see it, it sold out. I don't know if that's, you know, how, how easy that will be able to do in a second year. Uh, but, but I feel like that we have got a lot to look forward to when it comes to that race, just because of what it does to create opportunities for the future to do it at other venues around the country. Well, one of the things I've heard, Jeff, and I guess this would be a sign of success from year one, is that NASCAR has said there's a pretty good percentage of people who have bought tickets for this event who di- who did not go to the race last year. So I would assume that that means the buzz they got from that ra- that doesn't sound right. The buzz from that event <laughs> that you know went to those fans and they thought, hey, I got to see what this is all about. You you would hope so. You would hope that's the case, right? And, and to me, the the big thing that Adam touched on this is this is the the test for the future, right? Like first of all. I remember walking in the stadium last year and I'm like, wow, they actually, they did it. You know, they, they pulled it off. I mean, you were sort of like, is the track going to fall apart? You know, can they even race on this? Can they even make it around those tight turns on a quarter mile track? And, you know, next thing you know, it, I thought it was a very good race for, for what it was and what my expectations were. This I think could be like a confirmation test. And then you can really say, okay, now we can, where, where else can we go with this? You know, can we go overseas to a big soccer stadium, some Olympic style stadium, an, another NFL stadium type place uh, in, in the U S um, you know, I think that that's why this race was so important last year, just because it, it proved that this new kind of concept can be done. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see people will give it another try, but I think the ultimate measure of success is the fact that this, this can probably be replicated and so no matter what happens this year, no matter what happens, you know, how the crowd looks um, going forward, NASCAR knows, OK, we we can do this. We know how to pull this off. And, well, there were a lot of people, too, going into last year's race that had major question marks. And I'm not talking about those of us that are on this program. I'm talking about at the very highest levels of competition in the sport that, that were doubters of, of if this could be pulled off. And it was so fun. And Jeff will remember this better than me. But it was so fun to get there and watch the reaction of the competitors because they're, I mean, they're, it's the LA Coliseum and you can't feel it until you're there. And when you walk down that tunnel and you saw what was created, it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the real deal. This is going to happen. And, and to watch the attitude of many change and embrace what was happening instead of criticize the potential wrongs that could could transpire over the course of the weekend was remarkable to me and I think made a major statement about what exists in front of us to do this at other venues. I think one of the things, and I'll get Jeff to talk, talk about this, one of the things that I think people expected that he get last year that they didn't get was a little more of the flavor of Bowman Gray, a lot of bumping, a lot of moving out of the way, and didn't get much of it. And I think part of that last year might have been because they didn't have inventory. Well, now they've got inventory. So can we expect things to be a little more aggressive this year, Jeff? I, I think so. And and I think a big part of that, too, was remember, I mean, and you alluded to it earlier, I mean, nobody had, they had not driven the next-gen cars on this track um, or anywhere, any track. That was the first race with them. And um, I, I think a lot of it was, hey, they're, they're feeling these cars out. Like, the, you know, teams didn't know how to set up the cars. Um, now, I think they have a whole year underneath their belt. You know, there's there's so much more they know about them, and and I, and you would think they the drivers would feel much more comfortable racing them, racing each other, 
sort of knowing the limits of what the car can do in that situation. And I think that will be, that will be a big difference in itself. Um, but like Adam said, though, as he was, you know, alluding to, and it makes me smile just thinking about it again is, is, you know, I, I've, I've not been around, you know, forever, but I, you know, I've started covering race in 2004 and I can never remember another single race weekend ever where there wasn't one sort of negative word. Like, you know, you're walking around the garage and, you know, everybody's always like, Hey, what do you think of this? Or, um, you know, how's it going? And somebody always has, you know, be like, ah, you know, I don't like this or, Oh boy, you see now what NASCAR is doing this time or something. Um, and this was just so, so positive and everybody felt so good about it. And, you know, to see the competitors pulling out their phone, their cell phones and taking pictures, um, that said a lot to me, like, Hey, you know, you don't see that in every track. So, um, just a super positive thing, you know, the, the newness is always going to wear off. It doesn't matter where, I mean, you can't, you can't replicate that first time feeling, but I still think it could be very successful and, and people could have a lot of fun again. All right, when we come back, we're going to go back to Jeff's list on The Athletic this week of the races he's looking for this year, looking forward to this year most. We can assume the L.A. Coliseum is not still at the top of the list. So what is? Stay with us. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-472-5145. 800-472-5145. 800-472-5145. That's 800-472-5145. Brett McMillan returns with his guests in just a moment. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network. Hey, I'm Corey Joy for Speedway Children's Charities. The mission for Speedway Children's Charities has remained true since its founding almost 40 years ago. To care for children in educational, financial, social, and medical needs in order to help them lead happy and productive lives. So many children have benefited from our group in the past, but we need your help now more than ever. Our local chapters are more than just fundraisers. They are partners in change, working with a broad range of people and organizations to help children in their communities. Want to make a real difference in a child's life? Start by heading to speedwaycharities.org today. Make a donation, volunteer, or attend one of the dozen fundraising events we host at our chapters. There's so much we can do when we all join together. So let's start today. Again, visit speedwaycharities.org to learn more. I thank you in advance for your help. Check out all of our show pages on goprn.com to find archive shows and more. Now, back to the O'Reilly Auto Parts pit reporters with Brett McMillan. 
Hey, welcome back. Along with Jeff Buck from The Athletic, Adam Alexander from Fox Sports. I am Brett McMillan. Glad to have you with us. All right. Do we need a drum roll here, Jeff, or something? Because uh, you have put out your list of, and from one to, I guess it's one to 36, because you, you included like uh, Richmond one, Richmond two, Atlanta one, Atlanta two. So from one to 36, what race are you most anticipating this year? So I know a lot of people are, are, I, I feel like most people are going to say North Wilkesboro, right? Like, and, and, and I have no fault with that whatsoever. And I can totally see why people would be super, super, super pumped up to go back there. Um, I I'm very pumped up about it. I, I personally, like I mentioned earlier, I, I wasn't around that the last North Wilkesboro race, I wasn't covering racing back then. I wasn't watching racing back then. So I personally don't have like the history with it myself. Maybe if I, you know, like for me, my first race ever was Rockingham. So if I, if they were going back to Rockingham, maybe I would have like the nostalgia feel or something like that. Maybe I'd, I'd put it number one, but because of that, like, I, I just think in sort of the same thing we talked about with the clash, I think the Chicago street course, uh, is really, really major for NASCAR because, um, just like with the clash last year, we don't know how it's going to work. NASCAR has got a huge logistical challenge in front of them. Um, we haven't really seen like this, anything like this ever in the cup series going straight into the middle, the heart of the city, um, you know, downtown closing off the streets, um, and obviously going for a whole new audience. Is the racing going to be good? Probably not. I mean, I'm not thinking that it's going to be an amazing race street races everywhere. are Not typically like amazing, but I just think what it represents, because if it's successful there, then okay where can't you go in the world? You know what I mean? Like if, if it's proof of concept and they can do it, uh, that that's big. And so that's why to me, I'm, I'm anticipating the most just because the curiosity factor is so high. Whereas North Wilkesboro, at least, you know, that there's been races there before, even if people thought the track was dead. What do you think, Adam? Which, which ones are you looking forward to the most this year? No, number one for me, I'm like Jeff would be Chicago. And, and when I, break down my favorite tracks to go to, or if a race fan says to me, where should I go? I would pick the usual tracks, the, the you know, the Bristol's, the Talladega's, the Daytona's and, and the, you know, Darlington. And the main reason that I would give is because it is a true slice of history and history would be a real cornerstone for the reason that I select my favorite tracks, which would make you think is I say what track I'm most anticipating in 2023, it would be North Wilkesboro. Ironically enough, I'm going to go the other way. And and I, and I think it's just like what we felt with the, the Coliseum in L.A. last year. And it's the opportunity that exists down the road if all of this goes like it's supposed to. And I'm just of the thought that, that NASCAR has done such a great job in recent years of having a vision for the future and being willing to take chances and get to new markets and do whatever it takes to get there. The LA Coliseum, the street course in Chicago are as far out of the box as you can get. And you have to do those types of things if you're going to grow. And to me, this is another huge opportunity for growth in NASCAR. And I just cannot wait to see how it all comes off and what the reaction is in downtown Chicago. Well, and along those lines, I think if this works, kind of the proof of concept, if this works, now you can get into markets like Denver, like Seattle, where you can't get new tracks built, especially in the Northwest, because of the whole issue with you know, environmentally, you can't get it built. Now you can go in there and race now because you don't need to build a track. Well, and, and you know, I think about what's happening in Las Vegas. 
with F1. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And but, tickets for $24,000. Right, whatever. but I mean, <laughs> you, look, you look at what the Roval has created. Oh, yeah. And, and let's give Marcus Smith and, and everyone at SMI all the credit in the world for having the idea to run on the road course. Yeah. And we all remember the reaction to that. But consider the variance that that's now created in the playoffs and the different buzz that surrounds that race versus Memorial Day weekend when it's the Coke 600. What if you ran in the spring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and in the fall you ran on the streets of, of Las Vegas? I'm not sure that that can ever happen or will happen or is a good concept business-wise for all those involved. But that is the the type of opportunity you create by thinking out of the box in Chicago, I think. Jeff, the one thing, and I, I agree with both of you, Chicago's the one I'm most looking forward to. I'm excited about North Wilkesboro, but I don't know how much I would put it or how high I would put it on my list because I went to races at North Wilkesboro. I covered races at North Wilkesboro. And I don't, in my mind, I don't remember great racing at North Wilkesboro. And I, I'm wondering how many of the fans who are so excited about this return to North Wilkesboro are like you, Jeff, who never... A, never went to a race there, or B, have never even seen a race there, or C, were even never even born when there was a race there? Well, I think that that's, you know, so much of it is, like, I wonder how much the racing even matters in a way there also. And that's weird to say because you would think, okay, like, short track, old school type place, like, hey, let's get some Martinsville, Bristol, true short track style action going. Let's bring that back. But I, I think that what's going to be magical about that night is going to be the energy level of a huge crowd packed into a small venue that we don't typically see the cup series race at anymore. Right. Like, I mean, you know, there's not going to be 70,000 seats there. Um, And that's going to be really special because the electricity there is going to be awesome. I went to some SRX races over the last couple of years and at pretty tiny tracks, you know, Stafford places like that. And it feels massive. It feels huge. Uh, because the crowd is so into it and they're on top of everything. And it, it's just like, it, it, you wouldn't tell that there's only 10,000 people there. It just feels awesome because they're so excited. And I, I just think, so that's one factor. The other one is is the nostalgia. I mean, nostalgia is everything right now, right? Like in, in our society, it feels like every every movie that's a hit is a sequel to something. I mean, Top Gun 2, people couldn't go fast enough to see it and, and relive those feelings. So if... If, even if the race is okay, just okay, by going to North Wilkesboro, if people can go back there and say, man, I was here with my dad, you know, and I can remember sitting over there and watching races as a kid and, and just let those that let that flood of emotions back in and, and get that 90s, 80s feel, whatever. Um, I, I think that that is the key to it as much as anything. I, you know, I, it's interesting because I'm thinking as Jeff's talking about nostalgia and, and we've documented before on the show that I, Last year, I finished off getting to every current Major League Baseball stadium. And I love looking at old pictures of like the Polo Grounds or Ebbets Field and places like that that used to exist. And I think, boy, I wish I could have gone to a game at those places. And if, and if somebody, and obviously you're not going to rebuild those places, but if they still existed and you could play a game at some point, I would, I'd be there in a heartbeat. And if, even though I have, like we're talking about, even though I have never seen a game there, it, I would be nostalgic to go in and see a game in places like that. And so I understand. And I'm excited for North Wilkesboro. I'm excited because I think the excitement level is there. And I think the teams and the drivers are excited about it. And I, you know what? It, it's an incredibly unique place. You go uphill one stretch. You go downhill the other stretch. It's just 
hey, there's no place like it. And it's an all-star race. This is not a night that's going to go toward count toward the championship. And and I'm a believer and a fan of rotating to various tracks when it comes to all-star night to give a place like in North Wilkesboro or, or maybe even a Stafford, those kinds of venues, an opportunity to host a NASCAR event. And you take away some of the pressure that would come with hosting like, like Chicago. There's some pressure there because this is a points paying event. You don't feel that at an LA Coliseum or at a North Wilkesboro because it's an exhibition race. It's an all-star race and it doesn't count toward the championship. And to me, uh, it, it's a great way to introduce the fans to a place that we haven't been to for a long time. All right, we're going to let's see who Jeff, Jeff wants to tick off now. And who's at the bottom of your list? What <laughs> race are you least looking forward to? So for me, it's the Indianapolis road course. Um, I, and and it's, it's a little bit odd to, to be this passionate, about, I guess, about the Oval when the races were you know, not consistently amazing and oftentimes boring. But to me, like if you're going to be at Indianapolis, uh, just my personal opinion, the whole point of going there is is the prestige of the Oval, the place that the Indy 500 has run for all those years, and that that's the magic. Um, the road course, you know, it, it doesn't. It, there's nothing that, there that, that does anything for me. First of all, just as a track itself, but second of all, I think what we've seen now for the, for the couple of years of Cup running there is it brings out sort of the worst uh, of the drivers sometimes. I mean, last year was just sort of, uh, you know, circus-like, right? I mean, the restarts, everybody just goes into turn one and piles into each other. And you had even the, the champ, Joey Logano, just goes into the corner and turn one with no intention of making it at all and just uses all the other cars. And that's what everybody does. Like, I mean, that's how the field races there. Um, and I just don't think it's the, the best display of NASCAR racing. I want to see... These drivers who I think are are just absolutely elite, amazing, talented drivers, I want to be see them put in position to show their skills and show their talents and show why they are so world class, not to be in a in a position where it's like, oh gosh, they were all ran into each other again. This is just silliness. Um, so I, I don't really I, I just want to see the oval. I, I think there's enough road courses as it is. It doesn't need to be on the road course. My, my personal take. I will agree with you on the oval. 100% you and I are on the same page there. You go to Indianapolis to race the Oval, but I will not agree with you on the, it's the one I'm least looking forward to. I still love going to a race at Indy because the history is still there. Even though it's not the Oval, the history is, you just feel it when you walk in there. Now, you're an Indiana guy, so where do you come down on that? Well, I, I'm like you. I mean, I think Indianapolis needs to be on the schedule. And and if you said to me, we're either going to you know cut Indianapolis altogether or we're going to race on the road course, I would say, well, let's just race on the road course. I, I, I believe since we started going there in the mid-90s, it's found its place on the NASCAR schedule. It's a part of the history of NASCAR now and has been uh, for such a long time at this stage of the game that you have to keep that racetrack and that venue as a part of the NASCAR schedule. H having said that, we tried the road course. The Oval had fallen on some hard times. The crowd was down. The racing was less than spectacular. We know that that's a, an oval track that's made for open wheel, and rightfully so. It hosts the Indianapolis 500. But I think we've also found, and, and Jeff pointed out, that the racing on the road course really has not answered the bell and, and probably has created some moments that, that many drivers, the best in the sport, are, are not really proud of. And so with that... To me, it's time to to go back to the Oval, and you take the good with the bad. 
you know, we're going to have the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. It, it might not come down to a field goal as time expires. Not every sporting event, regardless of, of the magnitude of it, is going to have a great ending. We have to live with that and celebrate the history. And to me, Indianapolis belongs on the Oval. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you to tell which race you're least looking forward to. I, I wouldn't unless say unless you really want to. No, I, I wouldn't say any track <laughs> in particular. I would just say that I would vote for somewhere that we go to twice. To yeah. you know, and there are certain ones that are non-negotiable. You know, Daytona, Talladega, those are places that you know we could probably go to three times and we wouldn't get sick of it. But there are some tracks probably that that we could go to once and and say one and done is just fine. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how few we actually do now. Yeah, it's it's less it's, and less. It's like, You're it's right. Like, there's only like six, maybe seven. Yep. Yep. That we go, I mean, the same track in the same the configuration. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not, not, not many left. All right. When we come back, uh, it was a big Hall of Fame weekend, and I think Hersham McGriff, 95 years old, might have stolen the show. Uh, we'll talk about what he had to say and who he had to thank. <laughs> what do you have to say about that week of back? You wash the outside, clean the inside, and make sure maintenance is up to date. Hamper your car's engine and fuel system by adding Z-Max Microlubricant. Using the fluids as a carrier to reach internal parts, Z-Max literally soaks into metal, dispersing harmful carbon buildup. This helps improve performance, extend engine life, and reduce emissions. Get Z-Max today at ZMAX.com or your local auto parts store. Hey folks, it's Doug Rice. Did you know you can take PRN with you anywhere? By downloading the PRN mobile app, you can listen to our live races just about any place on the planet, and you will not miss a second of the action. Plus, you can hear our shows like the fantastic editions of Fast Talk, plus Brett McMillan on the Pit Reporters, and Mark Garrow with Garage Fast. Get all the latest racing information right at your fingertips. The PRN mobile app, available at the Apple App Store and on Google Play. There's more of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters still to come. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network. What kind of season is he having? Is he having a great season? Okay, good, really good, greater than or less than? As soon as Ross came out of the care center and started talking, he immediately wanted to package this as, now we're even. Teams are doing everything they can to find an advantage with this car. I still think the normal cream rises to the top now when it comes to road racing. Hi, this is Doug Rice. Join me every Monday night for Fast Talk. The grassroots is where the hometown heroes of Friday and Saturday nights are and where the future stars of NASCAR are made. First career win for James Friesen of the Tass Racing Sportsman Series. From Eldora to Knoxville, Jennerstown to Lawrence County. Follow PRNs at the Track on Twitter and hear PRNs at the Track each week on broadcast radio stations, the free PRN app, or at goprn.com. PRNs at the Track, relentless passion for grassroots racing. Check us out on YouTube at GoPRN Live. Now, more of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters with Brett McMillan. Hey, welcome back along with Adam Alexander from Fox and also Jeff Gluck from The Athletic. Brett McMillan, glad to have you with us. Last weekend, the NASCAR Hall of Fame welcomed in three new members, including 95-year-old Herschel McGriff. 
Uh, Herschel stole the show, Adam. I, I think my favorite line from Herschel might be when he started his speech and he says, my speech is going to be short because most of the people I have to thank are dead. <laughs> the line of the night. Right? Line of the night. Yeah. I'd gotten a chance to, I, and it's been a while since I've talked to him, but I got a chance to know Herschel back in the early 2000s, back when he was a young spry 75 <laughs> in the run in the West series. But uh, he, he's a heck of a story. Matt Kenseth also inducted. And, uh, I, you know, Matt, of course, still still has got that incredibly dry sense of humor and Kirk Shelmerdine, a guy who's won championships as a crew chief and then hung around quite some time trying to make it as a, an independent driver. It was a good class and and I will relate most to, to Matt Kenseth because I started covering NASCAR in 2001 and, and I guess late 2000, 2001 is when I started working in NASCAR full-time and really got to watch the evolution of, of Matt's career from his days driving in the Xfinity series, then, uh, of course, the Bush series and, and the back and forth with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And then them making their move into the Cup series and, and him winning a championship early in, in his career and a couple of Daytona 500s and just all he was able to accomplish. And, and I always had tremendous respect for Matt because he just let the driving tell the story and and had such a humble approach. And it was great to see him with his personality and the way he went about his business make it into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. What'd you think of the class, Jeff? And uh, anything stand out from you uh, for you with one of the speeches? Yeah, I I, uh, well, I agree with you. I mean, I think Herschel McGriff uh, stole the night there, but um, no, I, I think uh, what I really like, and this is maybe not about the class itself, but I, I like the size of the class. Um, I was a little bit concerned there when they were doing five per year uh, because I was worried they were going to run out pretty quickly. Because you know, in NASCAR, uh, careers last a pretty long time. Uh, compared to other sports, right? I mean, you've got guys sticking around for 20 something years, the, the great guys. And there's just not that many. I mean, even though this is the 75th year of NASCAR coming up, there's not that many guys who have won enough races to really be, you know, truly great, uh, truly elite. Uh, if you're going to keep doing five per year. So the fact that it was three, um, which is the, you know, the new format they've gone to the last couple of years, I think that's, that's a great number. Um, I mean, when you, when you look at the, the all-time wins list. What's fascinating to me is I believe um, Carl Edwards, uh, I, I believe he's eligible in now, and and he's the, the top driver in, in wins, not in. So I think he has 28, 28 career wins. So there's only six drivers with uh, 20 wins or more who are eligible for the Hall of Fame who are not in. Um, so, you, you know, that magic line is going to be 20 very soon. Um, at the, at the rate they're going, I mean, there's still guys that you, you have many future hall of famers right now, but they're still active. I mean, whether it's a Hamlin or a Kyle Busch or a Harvick or a Logano, even people like that. I mean, those are all, those guys are all going to be hall, hall of fame, Truex, Kurt Busch, people like that. So, um, you know, they'll get there, but they've got to stall enough to, uh, make sure that, that there's still, you know, a, a worthy class, uh, for each year in, in between now and then. Uh, the National Motorsports Press Association also had their Hall of Fame inductions this weekend, and uh, great class there too. And it was it's cool because everybody everybody was there to be inducted. Uh, Shirley Muldowney, Scott Pruitt, Frank Kimmel, Dick Bergeron, our old friend from Fox. Uh, that was a it's an outstanding class there as well. And I was Shirley Muldowney from the drag racing world. Really, really was excited. Yeah, and 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 I can I tell a quick Dick Bergen story? Absolutely. So I was doing uh, NASCAR trucks a number of years ago for Speed, and we were at Bristol, 
and we shared condos across, you know, the the condos that are right across from the racetrack. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but that's what we did. And we had a roommate, you know, just a two-bedroom condo. Well, Dick Bergman was there doing modifieds. And so he and I were going to have one night together at the condo. I was flying from Indiana, storms. I get in at like 2 in the morning. They hand me a code to get me into the condo. I check in at the security gate. I know that Dick Bergeron, based on the email I received, is my roommate. I get up there. I dial the code. The green light flashes. I go to open the door. He's done the deadbolt. I, I can't get in. I'm like, boy, how do I handle this situation? Because at that time, I'm like, this guy's like a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I can't just bang on the door. If it was you, Brad, or Jeff, I mean, I would have yeah, sure. just yeah, beat course. the door down, right? So <laughs> I, I call the number on the list, and I say, hey, I, I've dialed the code, the, the green light. They said, well, you, you need to call your friend or your roommate or knock. And I said, I, I don't think you understand, you know. Finally, I got them to give me a different condo, and the next day I gave. I finally had the courage the next day to give Dick Bergen a hard time about locking me out as yeah. a roommate. So <laughs> there you go. But it, deserving, and you know, Dick is so good, and I, I love that Frank Kimmel got in because I was I grew up in Southern Indiana. I got to see him as a local hero, winning all those ARCA championships. So it was great to see him recognized over the weekend as well. Yeah, Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I. Long back in the day, I was uh, the vice president of the NMPA, and and the, at, the, at the time, I don't know if it still is. The, the task uh, for the VP was to uh, come up with the Hall of Fame class and, and the nominees and help people vote. And uh, you know, it, it was so you know because it, it's it's not just NASCAR; it's all of motorsports, right? National Motorsports Press Association. So uh, you know, you're really going across all sorts of you know genres of racing and, and trying to come up with the best people and um, it's cool, you know, to talk about the strength of a class to see they still have a good group. You know, you, you look at that group and you go, wow, that's a that's a solid group, even after they've been inducting people from all across motorsports for years. Right. So uh, I, I think that says a lot about it. And uh, they named their driver of the year. And by one vote, the driver of the year was Ross Chastain. And he was old. He was a little surprised. He was stunned. He was there to accept the award. And, the uh, Hell Melon. The Hell did, Melon. Did wonders. You know, I, I prefer calling it the Walter Melon. Okay. Is that what you're going with? <laughs> the Walter Melon. You like that? <laughs> that's that's good. I know. Yeah. I don't, Jeff's not buying it. Jeff's not biting on it. But, I wonder, you know, if, that, I wonder if Frank Kimmel said, offered said, his said, thoughts on that since they know, were both they, there accepting they, awards. They might have. I don't know. Because, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't get the T-shirt uh, concession in time. <laughs> that's right. You should copyright that. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? You like that? The Walter Melon? I mean, I... I, I put the hail melon out there so i can't go i can't go against my hail melon thing now I know, you're and, and go to your camp so you know yeah sorry I'll, <laughs> but, but i'll I buy you, a t-shirt from each of you how about that <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's you know and he, yeah he, he beat out joey logano by one point and, and you know it was really the year ross chastain had and of course joey logano had an incredible year of the championship but kind of the coming of age a guy who'd been very patient for years to look at what ross chastain accomplished last year and just the whole track house operation was amazing. I will say, though, in the format that we're in now, you know, it used to be conventional wisdom is you win the championship, you're the driver of the year. It's pretty cut and dry, yeah. pretty easy to figure it. That That's just really not necessarily the case anymore, even though winning the title is everyone everyone's goal and it trumps whatever else you may accomplish throughout the year. When you look at what Ross Chastain did and, and the new opportunity and the growth that he experienced and what he did at Martinsville – 
across the board. I mean, that's that that is deserving of driver of the year for sure. Taking nothing away from Joey Logano, uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, both. You know, even Kyle Larson. I mean, they had great years. There were some drivers that really put on a show. Uh, but but you know, Ross Ross really set the bar pretty high when you consider his circumstance. Yeah, I think for most of last year, Jeff Ross Chastain probably was the most consistent driver out there. So it's it's interesting though because I you know thinking about this. So at the athletic, we were asked to name um, a NASCAR person of the year. And we picked Chastain because it seemed like so many of the things that you you guys are just talking about, so many of the storylines wove through him, right? Like, you know, the the track house emergence, uh, the hail melon, the, the the rivalries he had with drivers, uh, you know, making the final four, all all that kind of stuff. Like, there was a lot there where it revolved around him. But I, I don't, he wouldn't be my driver of the year, I don't think, because I mean, ultimately, you know, he he won two races. And Logano won four plus the championship. Chase Elliott won five. Um, and he, you know, won the regular season title very easily and ultimately made the final four, even though he, you know, with Chastain got wrecked on a restart there. Um, so I, I think I would probably, my vote probably would have been Chase Elliott for driver of the year. Um, maybe you know, Logano, I mean, you could make a pretty good case for him. But when I'm thinking overall for the year, I mean, I thought Chase Elliott probably was had the best season. So I, I don't think I would have had Chastain in my top two, honestly. So it's interesting that they, that they voted that way. Interesting. So if you'd voted for Logano, that would have been a tie. Uh, yeah, I'm not in it. So <laughs> yeah. Former vice president just quit. There you go. Yeah, I see uh, Sorry. Hey, <laughs> hey, after those comments, he's been impeached. Okay. Been there impeached. You go. There you go. <laughs> All right. When we come back, uh, Adam's going to be doing the Xfinity series again this year on Fox and his thoughts and Jeff's thoughts on what the Xfinity series looks like this year, because uh, a big shakeup with some guys who were winning a lot of races last year. So who are the favorites? Stay with us. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-583-5345. 800-583-5345. That's 800-583-5345. Want to hear one of our past shows? Visit GoPRN.com. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network. Hey, I'm Paul Shadden Charlotte with Kathy Martindale in Nashville on the Performance Racing Network. This is Z-Max Racing Country Classics. Let's head to Charlotte now and join Paul with Chase Elliott. Tell me this, you know, growing up as Bill Elliott's little boy, did you know Rick Hendrick at all? The first time I ever spoke a word to him was when I was about 15 and we were just talking racing. Z-Max Racing Country Classics Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. 
It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Follow at PRN Live on Twitter for show news and information. Now more of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters with Brett McMillan. And welcome back along with Adam Alexander from Fox and Jeff Gluck from The Athletic. Brett McMillan, glad to have you with us. All right, during the break, uh, we were doing some math as we get ready for the Xfinity Series. And 20 of the 33 wins from last year have left the building. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and, so, and well, and you consider... You know, there were some drivers that won that, that dropped down from Cup in, yeah. in the Xfinity Series. So you take those away. I mean, there are very few full-time drivers returning in the Xfinity Series that actually won a race in 2022. But the vast majority of those Cup uh, rookies in Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs, who combined to win five time, uh, 15 times in a championship, and then A.J. Allmendinger, who won five, who is going back to the Cup yep. Series and driving full-time for Collie. Yep. So when you look at the landscape, what do you see? You know, we talked about this, I feel like, uh, late in 2022, and and the one name probably that would circle to the top for me right away would be Cole Custer. As we talk about drivers that go from Xfinity to Cup, here's a Cup driver that's going back to Xfinity. And it's not just what he's done in the time that he's gone back and run an Xfinity car as a full-time cup driver, but if you drift back 17, 18, when he was running full-time in the series, he was a driver that made it to the championship race and you felt like every year was a championship contender. So I, I might put him as, is my number one out, out of the gate. If, if I were to take someone from each manufacturer, he would be my Ford guy. I would probably have to go with Justin Allgaier from junior motorsports as my, my Chevy driver, just because he seems to always be there annually. Toyota, I mean, total facelift over there at Joe Gibbs Racing, but John Hunter Nemechek driving for the coach, I, I feel like he is really going to make a splash in 2023. As you look at the Xfinity Series, Jeff, uh, I mean, I think last year, obviously, it was the year of junior motorsports, except for the fact Ty Gibbs ended up winning the championship. But I thought I was a little disappointed with what Colleague was able to do last year because they were so good in 2021 and then really struggled most of last year. They kind of came, you know, they came on late. Do you think they've been able to, they'll be able to recapture some of that 2021 magic this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that when, you know, they added their cup operation and really had to put a lot of resources into that, uh, you know, it's hard to to balance all that. And, and it was disappointing for colleague because, you know, like Landon Castle, for instance, right? Like the guy gets in finally what we think is going to be uh, you know, the ride of his career essentially. And, you know, they had a down year overall and he ends up missing the playoffs after the mechanical failure at Bristol. And now he's out of a ride and you're just like, man, that, that really stinks for him. And, you know, did he really get the, the fair shake? Um, you know, I, they'll still be okay. I don't think they're going to be at like junior motorsports level, but, um, you know, it's, it is wide open as you guys were alluding to. And I think that's, what's great about the, you know, the rules in the Xfinity series right now, right? Like, it was hard for so many years. We we tend to forget, at least I do, uh, you know, 
how much it was dominated by cup guys and, and the, any, you know, they would go like two, two Xfinity regulars would win the, like the entire season or something, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and, and all those guys were trying to get up to the cup level and nobody could really get noticed because it would be like, oh yeah, you finished fifth today. Great job. Or, you know, you finished eighth and seven cup guys finished ahead of you. Um, now I think what you've seen since, you know, 2020, especially, you know, where you, uh, you know, Briscoe, Harrison Burton, Sindrick, Haley, Almendinger, Gregson, Gibbs, um, you know, you're, you're seeing all these guys get a chance to, to graduate and move up, um, based on what they've done in Xfinity and, and they're, they're showing, Hey, like we belong in the next level. We, you know, in Almendinger, we already knew that, you know, he, but he's spent a lot of time back down. Um, so I think this is a great chance for somebody else now. Who's going to fill that void? Who's going to gobble up a bunch of wins and put together like a seven or eight win season? Uh, you know, I, you know, Josh Berry is already a, a hot name. What what happens with him? Um, there, there's a lot of guys that you know. Sammy Smith, I think, could you know he's pretty young, but um, you know he's going to get in a good a good car. So yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see. I, I really don't know who's going to step up, but I. I think somebody's going to, and and they're going to make a big name for themselves, and that's what that's what it should be about. And and for many of these guys, Jeff, it's like their senior year of college, and they're looking at their pro career and trying to improve their draft stock because you know, as you look at the cup lineups right now, there's likely going to be some opportunities. We don't know what the future for Martin Truex Jr. is beyond 2023. Right, Kevin Harvick, we know is moving on. Eric Almirola is a question mark, and and so now. You don't just go into the year saying, man, if I can have a good season and get noticed, I might get an opportunity. You go in really believing there are going to be opportunities, and if I can perform, I might be that guy. And and the one group we've left out is RCR. And, you know, I got to tell you, Austin Hill did some great things in his rookie season late in the year. Um, you know, Sheldon Creed came on. I, I feel like they, too, can can make a, a push. So across the board, there will be a lot of parity, a lot of unknowns, and, and that's what we all – enjoy for sure all right when we come back a championship winning crew chiefs getting off the sofa and back on the box we'll talk about it when we come back we want to help extend the life of your vehicle add z-max micro lubricant to the fuel and oil where it uses the fluids to reach internal parts as it soaks into metal z-max disperses harmful carbon buildup to help improve performance reduce emissions extend engine life and increase fuel mileage by ZMAX today at ZMAX.com or your local auto parts store. Help your vehicle run better with ZMAX Micro Lubricant. Make your plans now to stay at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa next March when NASCAR returns to Las Vegas. They have great race ticket and room packages for you to choose from. The South Point also features a wide variety of excellent dining options at 11 different restaurants. Or you can enjoy the 16-screen movie complex and visit the 64-lane bowling center. Visit southpointcasino.com and make your reservations today. Stay with a racer. Stay at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. We've got more of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters in a moment. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network. Hi, this is PRN's Brett McMillan. You know, you don't spend your life just sitting around, so what you need is PRN's mobile app. By downloading the mobile app, you can listen to our live race broadcast from anywhere. Make sure you don't miss a second of the action from the track. If you download it today, you get station listings and on-demand access to your favorite studio shows like Fast Talk, Pit Reporters, or Garage Pass. 
Get all the latest racing information at your fingertips with the PRN mobile app. Download today. Available at the Apple App Store and on Google Play. Get your NASCAR fix with PRN's Garage Pass. This car puts on really good shows at, you know, mile and a half, two-mile tracks, and I expect nothing less. Obviously, it's not the spot we want to be in. We'd love to have a win by now and feel like we should have, but it's just been one of those seasons where when we have cars good enough to win, we haven't done all the other things right. I feel like it's going to be an opportunity to win. I feel like, you know, it's an opportunity to win at home as well, so want to take advantage of both of those things. Hi, I'm Mark Garrow, tracking the latest racing news every weekday. Download our free mobile app to listen to the show and more great PRN content on the go. Now back to the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters. Hey, welcome back. I'm with Jeff Gluck from The Athletic and Adam Alexander from Fox. Brett McMillan, glad to have you with us. A little bit of a surprise this week, Jeff, is uh, Jimmy Johnson, who, of course, we know is going to run five races this year, named a crew chief, and it's a guy who's been sitting on the sidelines for the last oh, year or so. Todd Gordon, Joey Logano's crew chief when he won a championship, is back on the box coming off the, uh, well, let's see. He's been doing serious stuff and some other stuff around. So he's going to be coming off the radio. Well, I guess he will still be on the radio, but he's going to be on the box. And I, I, I think that's an interesting pairing. What do you think? I really like it. I think this is a great move because I, I've been kind of concerned since, um, you know, the, the Jimmy comeback for the partial schedule was announced. When you see crew chiefs like Rodney Childers and Chris Gabehart uh, posting on Twitter like, hey, we're actively looking for people. We cannot find enough people to help us for our teams, for like Kevin Harvick's team, Denny Hamlin's team. Um, you know, they're they they're trying to find qualified individuals. Okay, well, if that's the situation for the very top teams, imagine what the situation is for, you know, the mid-tier teams and then the small teams. And then you probably get to like, the part-time, Hey, I'm going to run five races team. Where do you get people from? Where do you get good people from who know how to, you know, set up the next gen cars with, with the limited experience of, of the field that's out there. Um, you know, a pit crew, things like that. I mean, that all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you can have the best driver in the world, but if you don't have the crew, that's going to be able to put a, a winning car in, the, in somebody's hands, I don't really know what it, what it does. So um, the fact that they can go out and say, okay, look, we're going to, we're going to go get Todd Gordon who, who he doesn't want to come back full-time anyway. Uh, it's perfect for him. Uh, maybe that that's what they can do for the rest of their career. They can kind of find guys who maybe gotten off the road who are like, you know, I know how to do this stuff. I just don't want to be going out there 38 weeks a year away from my family. Well, Hey, come out for five, seven races, whatever it is. Um, th that's a really good concept. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll lead them to some success. Cause otherwise I think it's, it's very hard to find people right now. It seems. This is a team that I'll be watching really closely in 2023. They made strides last year. Eric Jones wins a race. You bring in Noah Gregson, who is, as we talked about in the last segment, I mean, tremendous talent, did so many wonderful things for junior motorsports in the Xfinity series. He's partnered with his crew chief, uh, from Xfinity a year ago that he enjoyed all of that success with Luke Lambert, who's been at the cup level. So, so together, I feel like they're starting to build something there. And, and then you bring in a mind like Todd Gordon, who the headlines always going to be, he's the crew chief for Jimmy Johnson and, and rightfully so. But to add a mind like that to an organization that is growing and, and to see the gains that were made 
you know, at RFK last year and, and what Trackhouse was able to do. I mean, we, we know that 2311 has been successful. I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised at all if as we get into the summer months and into the playoffs next year, if we're talking about, you know, what was Petty GMS and now Legacy Motor Club, right? Yep. Uh, that that they have made a splash and really turned a corner and improved their organization. And and one of the great reasons why probably will be the knowledge of Todd Gordon. Yep. You guys mentioned earlier, obviously, that we know, obviously, Kevin Harvick's going to leave after this, they're going to retire as a driver after this year. What's your gut feeling on Martin Truex, Jeff? Because he hadn't said a word yet. You know, I thought um, I listened to, to Nate Ryan's podcast, uh, the NBC podcast that he does, and he had Kyle Petty on last year, and, and it was a really telling comment that he made about when you hear drivers start to, start to talk about, you know, uh, I, I thought about retiring, and I was on the fence, and I ultimately decided to come back. Kyle Petty had said basically, like, once you hear a driver even start to think about retirement, like they're done, like they're they they are not going to be able to regain their form because you you just can't have that thought in your head when you're going out and doing what these race car drivers do. Um, and so you know I think Truex ultimately says, hey, you know what, I'll come back for for another year. But um, I, I would be pretty surprised, I guess, if if he decided to continue after that because um, if he was already thinking about it a year ago and, and took so long to decide for this year. Um, why, why, I guess, why, why is he doing it? Why does he not want to just call it, call it a day, and, uh, so to speak. And, and, you know, he, he's done, done it all essentially, you know, he's won a championship, he's won a ton of races. He's going to be in the hall of fame. Uh, you know, at this point, I don't know. I don't know what else you, what else there's proof. I mean, maybe if he has a successful year, it's different, but, uh, last year certainly had, you know, to be not very fun for him. Yeah. I think he kind of alluded to at some points last year that, yeah, I don't want to leave like this. I want, I want to come back and do it one more time. Real quickly, uh, before we take our final break, uh, our O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporter's question this week is, talking about Kevin Harvick, he, I think he's got a decent opportunity at this. Will Kevin Harvick win a walk-off championship? Not can he. We know he can. Will he? There's a big difference. Yes or no? Last week, we asked you, who besides Kyle Larson should try the Indy Charlotte double? And we got 60 3% say Kyle Busch. That's not a surprise. 11% said Christopher Bell. I think he'd be pretty good at it. And then 11, or that was 16%, I'm sorry. And then we've got 11% said Chase Elliott and 11% said Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Chase Elliott would be interesting because he's never really gotten into that open wheel thing, has he? It might be the first time in the history of NASCAR polling that Chase Elliott didn't win the poll. <laughs> could be <laughs> on race up we always leave him out because we know it's going to be skewed because of the fan that, base you know <laughs> what would happen if we put junior in there <laughs> when we come back white flag laps stay with us Hey, Pack Rat. Yeah, you. Are you moving cross country and you just don't know who to call? Call us right now. Listen, you've probably seen one of our containers in your neighborhood, but did you know that we can help you move anywhere in the United States? It's real simple. We'll drop a container off at the location you tell us to bring it to. You pack up your valuable possessions at your leisure. They stay safe right in your home. And when you're ready, call us. We'll come and pick up the container and give you a scheduled date of when your furniture and the other possessions will be at your new home. So if you're moving across country or across town, be a pack rat. Join the pack rat family. Call pack rat right now for your free quote. See y'all later, pack rats. 
That's 800-876-3515. More of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters in a moment. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network. Start your engine! Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the bottom of the racetrack. He'll slide up in front of William Byron. Three wide now, down the back stretch, into the bottom of three. Side by side, down the front stretch. One lap to go here in Vegas. Larson with a nose out in front of Bowman down the Nellis straightaway. They stay door to door, side by side. Bowman at the bottom, he slides up in front of Larson. Larson with the crossover. He's out of time. Here goes Ross Chastain. He's going to the bottom of the racetrack. Now we've got a half dozen cars sliding through the infield grass. Noah Gregson is fun, but they are still side by side for the lead. Almond Digger's got the advantage on the inside of the turn three. When the NASCAR Cup Series races at Las Vegas, Atlanta, Circuit of the Americas, Bristol, Dover, Charlotte, Sonoma, Nashville Super Speedway, New Hampshire, and Texas, it's right here on PRN, the Performance Racing Network. Almond Digger gets jumped out of the way by Kevin Harvick. Harvick goes to Get your short track racing fix with PRNs at the track. Visit GoPRN.com. Now, more of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters. Hey, welcome back. Time now for our white flag laps. And first up from The Athletic, it is Jeff Gluck. So it's less than two weeks from the season, and uh, at least the clash. And, and pretty soon we're going to all have to make our playoff picks, final four picks, championship pick. Not that it means anything, but we'll get asked and – you know, people will put their stuff out there. I think this is, could be the hardest year ever to do it because we don't know how the season's going to unfold. We don't know whether it's going to be like last year's regular season where there's all these different winners and you pretty much have to win to make the playoffs. Or is it going to be sort of like the more traditional type regular season where maybe there's 12 guys who win and there's four spots on points? I mean, that's a completely different field if you look at it that way, right? Like Martin Truex Jr. would have easily made it last year uh, if, if there was a spot available on points, there wasn't. So how do you pick who's going to make it? How do you pick who's going to be good? We simply don't know how year two of the next gen car is going to unfold. And just by that big mystery and that big unknown, that itself is going to make the season so much more compelling, um, at least the first half, because nobody knows what to expect. And if they say they're, they do, they're just guessing uh, along with the rest of us. Uh, absolutely. I agree. Next up from Fox Sports. Adam Alexander. I'm going to piggyback on that. I always subscribe to the theory when we went to 16 drivers in the playoffs, win and you're in, we would never have to worry about winning multiple races to qualify. They would never get close to 16 winners in the first 26 races to worry about, am I going to be in or not if I've made a trip to victory lane in the regular season? Last year, that changed. And there was a lot of anxiety down the stretch about who's going to be in and who's going to be out. And do I need to win a race if I'm going to run for a championship. We ultimately got 19 winners matching the the record. I think we will do better than that 
in 2023. I think the parity is there. We're adding talented drivers who weren't in the series last year, rookies like Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs. A.J. Allmendinger, who is an ace on road courses, didn't win last year. He's running full-time this year. Truex didn't win. Brad Keselowski didn't win. Ryan Blaney. I say we're going to blow the top off with winners in 2023. Wow. Look at that. And then Jimmy Johnson's coming back. And Jimmy there Johnson go. wins the Daytona and, and, and 5. And I got to give your colleague, Jordan Bianchi, some, some props. I heard him say this week that if Jimmy Johnson wins a race, it will be win number 84. And what car number will he be in? 84. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. The O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters on the Performance Racing Network was presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts, your professional parts people. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network.